sign up for our Discord channel. If you go to majordemomedia.com, there's a link that will take your Discord community. A lot of great conversation about culture, how to live your life a little bit more deliciously, and great, great discount codes to our partners, Athletic Brewing, Comic to Your Coffee, Any Day Cookware. I have a real breakthrough with Any Day that I'll share in a little bit. And of course, all things Momofuku. We have all of our home products available, our salts, our spices, our chili crunch, and our instant noodles available. And there's a discount code if you're not close to a Whole Foods or Target or a store like that available nationwide. And Bong Bar reopened after many, many uh, three-year hiatus back at the at Columbus Circle. It's a restaurant that we have in uh, the Cosmopolitan right now still. The, the original location is in Columbus Circle, and that's back open. And if you want to know what it's like, uh, we sort of had the origins of this at uh, the Spit Vertical Spit episode of Ugly Delicious Season 2. And I am excited that it's back. When I'm back in New York, I can't wait to try it because I hear it's better than ever. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, let's get on to the show. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Demo Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. Chris, what's up, man? My tummy feels weird. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> I don't know, just life, I guess. How, how many days a week do you feel like you have a, a, a legitimate tummy ache? I mean, every day. <laughs> and I, I don't say that facetiously. I'm positive I'm some kind of gluten intolerant and I know I'm lactose intolerant and none of that really stops me. Should we take the tests? Do we take the little I know, allergy I know, things? I know I'm dairy. I've had the DNA. The gluten is, is something that we've already, I mean, all I do know is when I cut it out, I, I, I feel so much better. We got it. I mean, yeah. Our partner, Chris Chen, just took one of these things where you get like a hundred million results. <laughs> the one that was curious to me, tell me if you feel this is weird. He cannot drink like he's like a al- allergy to orange juice, but not oranges. Yeah, I mean, he probably um, who knows he got probably got that off the Discord gaming community that he's part of. <laughs> who knows how legitimate that actually is? For Are those that know what we're talking about, it's a real inside joke. But um, <laughs> sorry for that. We uh, shouldn't do those kinds of jokes right off the top of the podcast. It's fine. It's fine. How are you holding up? Um, you, got, you got your reading glasses on. Well, no, just glasses. Um, cause I haven't gotten out of bed all day. Um, I, so I was in Mexico for that wedding, Mexico city. And, um, the past three birthdays for Hugo, 
we've never celebrated it with anybody. And um, one of our friends, we went down to their place down in Cabo San Lucas or north of Cabo, and it was super, super nice. Very fucking cold because of the LA West Coast snowstorm-ish, but like, it was great. Um, We brought our in-laws to help, but man, it wasn't, it didn't feel like vacation. I think it (laughs) would have felt just as difficult without them, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Next time we go on vacation, I'm not bringing the kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think, I I was thinking about this as well. There's just a difference. Traveling with kids is entirely about kids. You can't do anything that's not about them. That's the thing. You just resign yourself to that fact. It's not actually a vacation for you. It's a vacation for them. Vacation for the kids. Amount of luggage we had to bring down. I can only imagine. And I brought, I really didn't bring any clothing. Um, My entire bag was loaded with food. Um, (laughs) Because we're going to a place that was more resorty and uh, there wasn't really, you know, restaurants well there were i just didn't know M- most importantly I-, I had to bring because i'm a personal chef to the kids mm-hmm. i had to prepare I-, I wanted to know what they could eat so i brought everything down for the most part <laughs> Good God. different kinds of pasta brought momo noodles down i also brought uh samyong cup of noodle things so like the the instant noodle cups that my mother-in-law likes i brought kimchi down i brought what else this, did I bring? Pancake mix. I made this pre-made pancake mix. I bring that down. Um, what? What else did I bring? I brought down uh, smoked salmon because that was going to be, you know, like shelf-stable enough for the day. Uh, what else did I bring down? Uh, mac and cheese for the boys. What else did I bring down? Oh, microwavable rice. <laughs> you know those pre-made things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you microwave for 90 seconds. Um, I've never really used those before. Wow, fucking great. Um, Wait, are you talking about like Uncle Ben's type of thing? No, or no, 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 actual no, Asian no, ones. Come, come Asian on, ones. Come on, come okay, on, okay, come okay. on, man. <laughs> and you can't say Uncle Ben's anymore. It's 2023. I don't think it exists. I think it's still. Did it get canceled with uh, Aunt Jemima? Oh, it's called Ben's Original now. Yeah, and there's there no picture. There there's no go. picture there of any any people yeah. in there. Wow. Um, no, this isn't that package stuff that you like in, in the plastic bag. This is just a plastic cup that you microwave. Ah. Um, and you see in a lot of YouTube uh, videos where people go clamping that I watch all the time. Um, mm. I have never tasted it. It is remarkable. Real, real uh, triumph of mankind there. Wow. You know, uh, high, high quality stuff. Perfectly cooked kernels. Extremely good. And the reason I bought that was when we went to Mexico City, I had to leave. Um, you know, you can't, I can't teach people how to make rice. So I froze a bunch and I, and I'll get into the whole, whole any day Eureka thing I had. So I, you know, uh, I wrap some up and I freeze it and I, I had enough for the first couple of days. And then I uh, ordered a 30 pack, was it a 30 pack? A 24 pack of these cups of rice. When I came back from Mexico city, all of that rice is pretty much gone because my kids just <laughs> eat it all. So before I left for this family trip, I had to go to Lotte market and I bought a bunch of these again. And I got to say, hugely successful. Also, wow. what I brought down, six cans of Spam, two kinds of 25% less sodium, twenty-five, two cans of uh, light Spam, and two cans of original. Um, what else did I bring? 
Uh, and then when I got there, I picked up milk, cheese, uh, just sort of the essential stuff and a lot of frozen stuff. I brought a Kirkland's, even though it wasn't Kirkland's uh, Costco, it was a store that sold Kirkland. Those are my favorite purchases, by the way. Stores <laughs> that are not affiliated with Costco whatsoever, but sell Kirkland brand. I've never seen that. Legit. Oh man, it's great. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> So I bought a four pack of pizza. I bought, um, I have the whole uh, the recipe, uh, uh, the receipt, uh, two packages of lasagna, two packages of frozen chicken nuggets, one regular, one nacho flavored. That was a mistake. <laughs> nacho well, a spicy flavor? nacho does not go well with the kids. Bad mistake. But was it good for you? I did not. I ate them because I didn't want to waste them. Mm. But it wasn't like a "ooh, this is good." Mm. Uh, it real had. It tasted like high school chicken nuggets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, I bought also Kirkland organic beef in the three pound package. What the fuck is I made, going? I made hamburgers with that. Um, what else did I buy? Lo- yogurt, frozen, frozen berries. So like we basically cooked. We only went out for two meals. I cooked a lot. Oh my god! I mean, you yeah. act like you're going on the Oregon yeah. Trail, man. And uh, and uh, when we checked in, they were like, "This bag is um, ninety pounds or something like that." It was just, <laughs> I brought my big Patagonia bag, and I just packed it to the brim of food, and I put the top layer of t-shirts and stuff. Not prepared for the weather to be like seventy degrees down there, but anyway, we get to Mexico. It's a two and a half hour flight, and then a two and a half hour drive. That was again. Uh, Hugo, now that he's four, I just had to put a phone in his hand. I, I gave him an old mm-hmm. iPhone and I just loaded it with YouTube, Dodo animals, and uh, a lot of street sweeper videos, um, a lot of Hank the Handyman. And what else did I put in there? <laughs> God damn it. I can't remember what else. Um, <laughs> that was great. But Gus, Gus is turning into, uh, Grace said it. She's like, Hugh, Hugo is a, a sushi, like Grace's side. Mm. Uh, Gus is a Changshi. She, mm. he's he's loud. He's really loud. <laughs> really, really loud. Uh, that's got to be like that's a, that's he a sounds big like a dying him. baby <laughs> dinosaur on the plane. <laughs> oh. oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, that was. Really and then hard. he gets on the plane and you stick him in a car. Yeah, that was not fun either. Oh, I'm not even talking about the snacks that we brought them too. You had to bring the Korean snacks and then like the snack snacks. And then we brought the, the bottled uh, horizon milk things that are shelf stable. It was a lot of food for the boys. Mm. Uh, I felt like I cooked for a pro team going on a road trip or like the cook for the world world cup U S team. Where I read that report where like, he's like organizing all the logistics for the team. And that's what I felt like. That was my main job. Are you, <clears throat> So when Grace sees you have a 90-pound suitcase of supplies, no, she, like, she, she was totally on board. She was like, she we're was not like, fucking around. Good. That's right. We're, we're on the same page. Problem is when I got to customs. Yeah, no, it was shit. a real problem. It was a real Dude. problem. I I thought that we would just I don't I I don't know why, but I honestly thought I could Jedi mind trick these people. <laughs> I could the 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 Mexican Cabo TSA equivalent. I thought I could be like, no, no problem. <laughs> what I didn't realize, what the what the the real telltale sign that I was smuggling food was the heavy bag stickers all over my back <laughs> that I didn't have a, that I thought about, but I didn't have enough time to take because you had armed security everywhere. So if I start ripping that off, I'm probably gonna get in a lot of trouble. So there's nothing I could do. And then my entire family got to go, but I got detained. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, the real decision you have to make when you bring that much salt pork and and flour is is are you going to be able to carry enough ammo to go hunting later? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, you've got to make a the real calculus. The only positive here. thing is I was able to slough off the bag of snacks for the kids just in case everything got thrown away. I was having real flashbacks when I, you know, yelled at the New York City Health Department uh, many years ago when they were being, you know. Oh, you separated took, the snack. You know. So this is like when you you carry an extra pair of clothes and you're yeah, carrying yeah, yeah. on just I in just, case your bag gets lost. I just stuffed lost. it into the Grace's bag. <laughs> anyway, now I'm there and I decide to hold Gus as my alibi, right? Uh-huh. When I'm there. So Gus uh-huh. is in my right hand and then Hugo's feeling missing out that he's not with me. So he runs. So now I have both my kids to the left and right mm-hmm. side and I'm being interrogated by the Mexican TSA. Um, true story. And, and, and they, they just had to blow off the top layer of my suitcase for the clothes to disappear. Just to see the, <laughs> uh, you, you tried to pull the old, here's like one layer of a hundred dollar bills on top of the rest is newspaper. <laughs> You try to pull the old tricky suitcase. Okay, I got you. So they see the treasure trove. And uh, so I had to explain to them, this is for my children. <laughs> this is for my kids. Not None of this was for me. I, I had uh-huh. to explain, none of this was for me. Mm-hmm. None of this, this is for, this. these are the foods that Gus eats. And these are the foods that my son Hugo eats. None of this is for us. Okay. <laughs> That's so insane. Wait, did and they let I you had through? Explain some of these, I had a sensitive stomach. They have sensitive stomachs, you know? But the sensitive stomach didn't come out till after this point. And they dig down, they take out everything. I literally look like if this was cocaine or heroin, it would have made USA Today news for fucking cocaine <laughs> drug bust. So much fucking food now sprawled out over this. I would have taken a photo, but you're not allowed to take photos there. Right. Anyway. Now it's now it's a problem. They're going over everything. They're they're now taking a notepad and they're writing down everything that I have in my possession. A lot of fucking things. Also, I brought gochujang. I brought momo soy sauce down. I brought uh, sesame oil. I brought Jesus, salt. I brought everything. Savory salt. I brought everything. I didn't even whip out. This is me from Momofuku. I I couldn't even stop say that shit right because mm-hmm. I was like I only have a few words here. It was almost like getting arrested in the movies where you're like I only have one phone call. Mm-hmm. That I can make. And I, I realized I only had one thing. I said, th- these foods are for my children. They have a sensitive stomachs. And I just need to make sure that they're going to be fed. And one of them spoke enough English and my broken Spanish was potentially just good enough. Turns out that person writing down everything spoke perfect English. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm dead. I'm going to pay like a multi-thousand dollar fine. And now I'm really... I'm really going to stress out about how to feed my kids. I feel like I've got uh, this woman's, uh, I I think I'm Jedi mind tricking them. I think like these are all bland. These are like foods that are for my kids. There's nothing for adults really, right? I mean, you know, I had had pasta. I had lots Mm -hmm. of ramen. I had uh, noodle, instant noodles. I had pancake mix, shit like that. Spam. Then she gets into the six packages of kimchi, cryovac kimchi that Mm -hmm. I bought. And she goes, (laughs) You have kimchi here. Like, oh, this is for your kids? I said, this is what I fucking said. High in probiotics. <laughs> oh, my God. Mucho oh my probiotics. God, you fucking asshole. You, you turned into a marketing company for a white, white kimchi company. <laughs> yeah. Mucho probiotics. It's for my kids. Mucho probiotics. <laughs> Uh, and, and did you get uh, away with it? It it 
I have to say, I was ready to shit my pants. But it worked. <laughs> it worked. I, I, it worked. It really worked. I didn't know if it worked or if she was just like, get the fuck out of my face. Mm. But it worked. Anyway, that's a little yeah. bit of my 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 Mexico story. There's a lot more that happened. I wound up eating at a, a moza down there. It was delicious. Nancy Silverton oh, has a location. A couple of her longtime chefs are running it down there. Fucking delicious. Really, wow. really, really good. So we had like six birthday parties for Hugo over the weeks. <laughs> over As the week. one does, yeah. And uh, he did two pinata. He had a great time. Saw whales, the whole nine. Anyway, I decide to hit some golf balls. And Grace is always on me to, and she's going to listen to this. So Grace, I lied to you the entire week. I said, <laughs> don't worry. Um, my back will be fine. It's always my left side of my back that's problematic if I try to hit golf balls because I swing mm-hmm. too violently. Anyway. Um, hitting balls, uh, with my friend and we're about to go off. And I now know I'm like, oh, I can't like back out now because what happened was one of the shots it never happened. I've never had this pain before. I, I like, I felt the right side of my hip near my butt, just like crinkle, like crumple something (laughs) terrible, terrible (laughs) happened. And like "Mm," something, it's like, "Mm." and I was like, oh, it also didn't help before I played golf. I worked out at the hotel gym. (laughs) Right. Uh-huh. And I like did squat, I like leg stuff. So that wasn't smart because I already had like a mild sciatic nerve. I have some kind of sciatic pain. If you don't know what sciatic is, the it's the nerve that runs down your spine that goes down to your toes and it gives all the movement and it controls everything. Right. And when your back hurts, it's not necessarily the, the spine itself. It's the fact that the gelatin in between your spine gets squished out or the, 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 the cartilage moves and it presses the nerves. So sciatic pinch nerve is like the L3, L4, and it can be left or right side, sometimes both. I've had it on the left side before. And immediately I was like, oh, this is going to be painful. <laughs> I didn't expect to be that painful. So anyway, I like walk it off like I got kicked in the balls or something like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, it'll be okay. And then like we start playing. We only play like 10 holes and then we come back. And then um, I don't know why I decide to go work out again because I'm trying to be super healthy. And I feel something tweak again in my, my, my lower right side. I don't think mu- much of it. Have dinner. That night, I go to sleep. That morning, next morning, I can't pick up Gus without like trying to fall down on my oh right my side. Very painful. Oh but I gut it out. I'm like, ah, it'll go away. <laughs> then I go swimming with Hugo. I go down a water slide and I go face first. <laughs> Like a dummy. The and then, because it's only like a three-foot swimming pool, I just totally smash my body into the pool itself, and I make whatever <laughs> happened way worse. So I'm like, oh. Then I have the bright idea. I'm like, you know what? I've had a lot of back therapy before over the years. I've had a lot of back problems. And I do all of my back stretches that you're supposed to do around an hour a day, 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes a night. I haven't done this in like 10 years. These are preventative. I start, preventative. <laughs> right. I start doing them now. <laughs> Like pretty intensely. And I'm like, oh, I think that makes it feel better. Have dinner, go to bed. That night, I swear to God, Chris, I I, I told Grace, like, amputate my right leg off. (laughs) Oh, no. Please. Oh, no. I swear to God. I said, this is right below the threshold of pain for a kidney stone. Um, oh it's, this God. is terrifying. This is terrible. It feels like my legs on fire oh my and God. just, I, I can't find a position. I didn't sleep that entire night. I was in the, the next morning. Uh, no, we were there for one more day. So like, I didn't know what to do. I was in just dying. And for those that have had a sciatic pain, 
uh, pinched nerve. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I, listen, I've had it before, but this was way worse than I've ever had before. I couldn't walk, couldn't put oh weight on it. God. And there was no way I could even lay down any move, any, anything I did was painful. So, uh, called a doctor down there. He gives, he gives me some good drugs, but they don't really work. Anyway, we got to get, get on a plane and planes are tough and cause I can't walk and you got to go far between the planes. It, it was one of the worst pains I've ever been in. And this oh was now, God. I got back yesterday and I cried walking from the turn, like the gate to the plane. I literally was crying. I had to get the baggage people to help me because I was in so much pain. I, oh I, I just couldn't, it was, t it was really sad. It was sad. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. We would have left you on the side of the Oregon trail. I, we would have been know. like, that's it. I know. Dave's done. Holy so shit. So I went to the hospital last night, got an MRI, and I got steroids and all kinds of painkillers and everything. So right now I'm feeling okay. I can walk with a tremendous amount of pain, but I'll tell you, this is how my right butt feels like where most of the pain is residing now. Feels like I got shot in the ass. <laughs> that's the, so that's where I'm right at. Butt. So you're at, this is a long, very long story. We're now, uh, I don't know how, how long into this podcast. Uh, let's see here. 25 minutes. And most of it has been talking about an answer to your question, Chris. Why am I wearing glasses? <laughs> I did ask that a long time ago. Yeah. There was no other way for me to explain this. You understand? I still, I still have not gotten the glasses answer, though. Because I haven't been able to get out of bed. <laughs> Right now, I'm downstairs in the office, and this is the most I've moved in a day. <laughs> I was like, why are you wearing glasses? And you're like, well, Chris, let me take you back to 1492. <laughs> <laughs> Young man so, named Christopher Columbus. This fucking uh, happened. Jesus, dude. Yeah, Jesus. I can't get a stretch of health, you know? You're, you're, yeah, and especially crazy because you're trying really hard at this moment just to be healthy. Now I'm going to be stuck for six weeks, they say, at least, oh my doing God. nothing. Um, oh God. great. That's really frustrating, man. Did you, uh, did I have an appointment with physical therapists, all these things. Plus I got work in San Francisco. I'm doing a talk with Marshall. Mm -hmm. I'm doing a work event in New Orleans. And then wow. I'm back in Anaheim to do uh, food expo West, which is a huge thing for the Momofuku consumer product goods. And then Friday I'm doing the talk with Tyler and Lucas at uh, South by Southwest. So well, you're I'm gone in four the cities. whole week. We and then, and then we're gone next week. Yeah. End of the, next week. Holy cow. Yeah. So this is, this is, this is, this is, uh, well, spending time on planes is usually good for your back. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's one of the best things you can do for your back. So I, I was plane. offered morphine last night. That's how much pain I was in. Oh, damn. Yeah. That's some band and of You know what? I'm shit. so disappointed in myself that I turned it down. That's a responsible dad. No, because they were just like, I wanted it so bad to dull the pain, but I was like, I have addiction pro problems. This is not what I need to be feeling. <laughs> That's good, man. You said no. You just said no. That's what, the, that's what they want you to do. Yeah, but I sort of regretted it, man. I could have used that morphine. That's, yeah, that was intense pain. Obviously, just uh, saying no is about regretting. Well, uh, did you end up, but just to wrap it up, though, did you end up cooking a ton? You could end up cooking I all did, that I food. I did. I did. We cooked a lot of it. We left pizza, one lasagna, though. We ate a lot of the food that we brought down. Um, wow. I didn't get to eat this uh, birria taco place that the Mozart chefs were talking about. 
but the food we were staying at was actually pretty good, except that like, you know, a lot of it was like crazy, crazy expensive. Mm. And, you know, it was funny. I just watched that Chris Rock Netflix doc and he's like, yeah, I'm rich, but identify as broke. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think no matter, you know, listen, like, I don't think even if I make a lot of money, I'm ever going to feel comfortable ever ordering every meal from room service or the, you know, I just can't on principle. I, I can't. I feel that. I was thinking, I was thinking about, uh, I saw my parents last weekend and, uh, they have just retreat. They were, they were always very thrifty growing up. I'm sure your parents are the same way, like extremely thrifty, like immigrant thrift, crazy. Everything we eat comes out of some old margarine tub, whatever, whatever kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. And, uh, they have just further retreated into like full on austerity mode. Like they don't spend a fucking penny on anything. You know, they have, they have you know like that president, you know, Premier G is not their premier anymore. Right? <laughs> they have not, that news has not reached them for some reason. <laughs> They're like living in like, it's seriously like communist China there. They live in a very ritzy neighborhood that has gotten ritzier and ritzier over time, but they just. There's exactly as much food in the refrigerator as they're going to eat like that week kind of thing, plus leftovers, whatever. But I was thinking about what you just said about, you know, being rich and identifying as broke. You know, my parents have made plenty of money. They, they've done well. They're they're white collar professional people. But what, why would I thought I, I used to be like so embarrassed about it. I used to just be so upset at them for not spending money on anything. And then I realized it's incredible. <laughs> they moved to this country. They somehow resisted. They fought the entire capitalist urge of materialism. They never buy anything. And, and this is like the story of so many families, but I, I have, I've started to be like a little more proud of them, a little less embarrassed that we just, uh, we live like our rugs are the runners in their houses are just, <laughs> they live in a nice house, nice neighborhood with like multi-million dollar homes. The runners in their neighborhoods are just in, in their, in their, in their hallway is just, an extra piece of carpet <laughs> because it's the same color as the carpet underneath. It's just a long strip of it that sits on top of the other carpet. Anyway. I mean, it's, it's like when I go to Aziz's parents' house in Charlotte, like all their stuff is from like 25 years ago still. And yeah. even the jars, all their spices are in jam jars from when like the first immigrated. It's, it's just the way it is. Not every family clearly, but I feel like I've taken it to another notch. Grace calls it deprivation. <laughs> I know you guys have had some arguments about this, but you live in deprivation mode. And especially with what happened with Momofuku, where every day was counting pennies. Um, It's hard for me never to think that. I think that, I mean, that's, it's the same, right? It's the same as our parents' mentality where, okay, yeah, there's something in the, there's something now, but we also know, proven beyond a shadow of doubt, that it it can all go away in the blink of an eye. It'll be taken away by a communist revolution. (laughs) 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 Just you wait. Um, they're everywhere. Yeah. The Americans. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I mean, like I'm dealing with it, but I, I, I just, uh, it was a lo- basically a long winded way of me saying, this is where I'm wearing glasses from uh, Warby Parker. <laughs> Shout out. We got to do something for those guys. You know, I'm really close with Neil Blumenthal founder. Um, um, we got to, we should figure out, I should text him. We're like, we should do something with no. Warby. I wear I Warby. Um, you know why I love Warby? Do you know what they've just released? Why I can wear glasses? Why? If you look on their app, they have, let's just look it up real quick. I can't remember the term, but I was so proud of work. So proud I hope of this them. is I hope this is about wide faces, because this is what I oh, need. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is this is what I need so badly. Yeah. 
not just wide faces. They they have uh, filters. <laughs> when I remember telling that Neil like a couple of years ago, three years ago, I would wear Warby, but you only <gasps> it's just too narrow. Extra, extra narrow, wide. narrow, <laughs> wide, and extra wide. <laughs> oh my God, it's here! Yeah. Oh, this is Beautiful. wonderful news. And I'm currently wearing the Wilkies in the blue. And they're, these are transition, by the way. I wanted to, we made fun of Chris Chen so much. I was like, can I pull off transition? Um, Yeah. But, by the way, I saw him recently and his, no joke, he's like, well, you're going to be happy about this. My transitions lenses are broken. They're now stuck mid-transition permanently. Which <laughs> is the worst place they can be. So, oh, the extra uh, wide is going to change everything they, for me. And they have um, this is the other thing they've added that I'm so happy for Warby. And again, the, I have no affiliation other than <laughs> really good friends with Neil. Um, they have uh, f- um, what do they call it? Low bridge fit. <laughs> yeah, Gabby called it. She put it in the chat. She looked at our faces and knew you're going for low nose bridge fit. That basically means. Do you have slanted eyes and a flat nose? Are you from, are you a island Pacific Asian person? Well, it's, it's no wonder you're wearing the Wilkies. Cause when I put on both the low bridge fit, extra wide filters, yeah. these have the Wilkie to be is the one of the three widest and the flattest for Asian faces. <laughs> so this is Dave Chang approved Wilkies. If you have, this is a commercial unofficial, Unendorsed <laughs> Warby Parker commercial. If you suffer from Asian male big head syndrome, <laughs> such as I do, and you also have a nose that people might say you should get a nose job to make it a little bit more square, but you don't, and you have a uh, high, you know, flat cheek and flat nose, and you know, it seem it would be if this was a Yosemite mountain peak, this would be something like Alex Honnold would be fucking excited <laughs> to climb. <laughs> Then these glasses are for you. Well, I'm I'm frustrated now though because I do need glasses. I know, but I can't buy the same you. frame as you though. Now I got to find something else here. There's a bunch. Do you have the Percy? Oh, there it is. Okay, Percy's good. Uh, the Fletcher. Also, I can recommend the Fletcher. <laughs> this is <laughs> What's so insane. What's insane? Game changer. About this Game is, changer. Warby just truly, changed my fucking life. <laughs> Truly, truly not getting paid to endorse this is the amazing thing. <laughs> now I'm going to let Will, Neil know that, dude, we just gave you a huge shout out. <laughs> World is amazing in general. I mean, by the way, I still buy my, still my stuff, my local, local eyeglass place. I get my contacts and all of that stuff there. But I needed some glasses that happen to fit my fucking fat head. And <laughs> Yeah. If you are uh, if you suffer from not male pattern baldness, but male Asian big head syndrome and flat bridge nose face, these are the glasses for you. I'm sure, listen, Warby makes beautiful glasses for all kinds of faces, but up until recently, I was not able to participate in this. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to be, I'll be completely honest. Again, this Warby Parker ad is running forever. This non-ad is running forever. I've tried Warby Parker glasses before. And I had used the wide filter. And I had found, if I'm being completely honest, the wide did not include me in its width. Yeah. I was outside the realm of what they considered to be uh, wide. Extra wide now, bro. <laughs> I felt the temple pinch. And now, yeah. no, there's to be an honest, extra even wide. Even extra wide, my temples pinch. 
but this is like the max it can go. You know, this would be like go, trying to go faster than speed of light. There's no way. This is the max it can go. Okay. We can't go wider than this. They can't. They can't For those that don't know, when I played football, I had to get a special helmet ordered. You know, the, the other person on my team that had to get a special helmet? Jay Woo. <laughs> Kim, a, a Korean, Korean, Korean immigrant. Two big fucking it? Asian head noggins. <laughs> I used to take off a pair of glasses and just the, the two little, what are they called? The earpieces would just be like man spreading out <laughs> just because they had to accommodate my big fat head. Oh, this is wonderful news. Yeah. Extra wide. We're going to, I'm going to let Neil know you, you got to do something for us, dude. Maybe a nice discount code for our discord community. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get it, Neil. Anyway, I apologize everybody for this run on 37 minute Two things that we talked about, explanation of why I have glasses on, which led into sciatica, which led into getting detained by the Mexican TSA Cabo, <laughs> which led into an unintentional ringing endorsement for Worry Parker and their now extra wide flat nose glasses for big Asian head male <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> Never apologize. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. So just a food roundup of some of the stuff that are happening. This is not everything that's happening. But an article that I didn't read, I didn't open up, but I, I'm glad that Gabby put the headline in there. Matt Kang. I saw Matt Kang uh, recently, and I just wanted to tell him like how much I, I enjoy Eater LA's coverage. And uh, we're, we're going to have him on the show, uh, probably the, 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 the DC show soon, um, when we move in the studio. He has a lot to say. Anyway, this is not just like the Eater LA coverage, not just because I live in LA now, but I didn't read this article. Maybe you have. <laughs> Spanish food is suddenly LA's hottest cuisine. Numerous Spanish restaurants have been popping up in LA since 2018. There are a lot of Spanish restaurants. You know, um, Daniel Rose opened up uh, at the proper. There's, uh, I think it mentions three to four other Spanish restaurants that are opening up, one downtown, a couple on the west side. Maybe we should list some of those names. Manchego, La Paella. I love Spanish cuisine, but is it the hottest cuisine? Jose, <sighs> Jose opened up down at the, the Frank Gehry Hotel, the Conrad. That is, what are your thoughts on this? Now, if, if this is now happening in LA, potentially, is, are we going to see 
a trend of Spanish cuisine all over? Because I feel like I've read this article, this this title. <laughs> this is so funny. Every every World Cup. It's <laughs> yeah. You know, you keep on saying this thing about food cycling back to the nineties. And I haven't been entirely, you know, I, I get it. I get it. But then I see this, <laughs> this article, and this could be 1999. Exactly. I remember this exact trend from 98, 99, 2000, 2001 in San Francisco, where everything was Basque. Everything was piquillo peppers. So much in New York. Same thing in New York. <laughs> and a lot of shit. it, listen, I lo- a lot of it was done well. You had Casa Mono, Andy Neusser spot, and mm-hmm. you had uh, uh, Alex and um, Edder. At uh, Teopole and um, Spanish food has been part of the New York City food culture forever, but in LA and in, in San Francisco. But are we on the precipice of the new, new wave? Right. It's funny. I don't. I mean, to your point, none of it was ever bad. It's good. Oh, some of it was fucking fantastic, and most of those restaurants are still around. I love it. But it is A this huge, kind of but just for the record. Huge proponent. Huge fan of Spanish food. I go to Spain. As, I haven't been since the pandemic, but it's a place I try to go every year. Many of my friends are restaurant owners and chefs there. I love Spain with so much of my heart. This is not a knock. This is a ringing endorsement about Spanish food. I don't need anyone writing some bullshit fucking pull quote that we now hate Spanish food. That is not the fucking what we're saying. This is more of an indictment on, is this a, just a trend or is it media? Is it culture in general? Because... The reason I'm bringing this up, maybe they were bringing up the same point, Chris, is why is this a story? Because mm. this has always been the case. I feel like there's Spanish restaurants always happening, always opening up. But are we running out of headlines or is this actually a trend that's coming back? And we've come full cycle back to the late 90s, early aughts, which was like Spanish boom. And you have people drinking chocolate, even though they don't know how to fucking spell it. They still don't <laughs> to this day. Panko tomate everywhere, you know? Yeah. You know, I don't know that it is. Catalan Vichy, my favorite sparkling water, by the way. The best. <laughs> I'm very salty. Sure very salty. It, it, it just feels a little bit more like. Um, I was thinking about this as I was cruising around the, the LA Times food website uh, earlier today, and I was looking at some of their, just the, the coverage. And there's, <laughs> there's like, I, I don't know how to put this. Every article has an ethnicity tied to it. Every single, thing, every single article says, here, I'll just look at this. There's a grid of, of, of six things here. Fine, comforting Syrian food. <laughs> the next taco sensation. Kuya Lord brings modern Filipino. Luishan, you know, is a Chinese restaurant. It's just everything has a little, a, a little flag attached to it. And I feel like food media is trying to do their due diligence to make sure they're giving credit to everybody or that's that's the sort of guise under which this is all being put out here. But for me, and I've said something about this before, there's this fragmentation segmentation that's that's being forced on on us. And then you say, "Hey, there's there's six Spanish restaurants. Hey, that qualifies as a trend. <laughs> Let's make it a trend about Spanish things." You know, and, and I think that that is that's the, the the weird sensation I feel I'm getting from it. Well, I would say that I don't think the Spanish trend has gone away at all. Maybe the trend is the cyclical element where food media is now talking about it again as a new story because there's so many stories that ha- are sort of redundant now. Whether it's the, the the forced diversity that people have to talk about all the time, 
I do think, and I actually had a conversation with Grace about this recently, where she feels very strongly that Korean food is only going to continue to become more dominant and there will be an Asian Italy-like version soon. And I've always disagreed with that. I've spent a lot of time, uh, a lot of hours in, in, in researching that because we've been approached several times over the years to develop something like this. And we've always said no, because we don't have the price points or the education that people as, as a whole in America will appreciate compared to Italian food. We just don't have Parmesan cheese that's aged or truffles or wine or prosciutto, things that have high margin items compared to, we have something like that in Asian food in general, but you know, they're like bird's nest and stuff like that. That's going to be a harder sell. Harder to sell dried abalone and dried sea cucumber, things that are expensive, but it's not like doesn't have the mass appeal of certain things. Anyway, um, I, I disagree that, you know, we had a pretty good conversation about this when we were in Mexico. I, I disagree that that's going to be the case. I still think the current trend is always going to be Italian food. Italian food, Italian food, Italian food. Um, then I think after that is French food. I think we're going to go through this French renaissance. I think I've spoken about that before. I think you're seeing that in New York. And when I say French, it's not, not time to say that it's continental French, but the trappings of French uh, haute cuisine, right? You're going to get that kind of dining and people are going to celebrate that. In fact, I would tie this movement towards an article that was in the coverage of the New York Times. And I didn't even read it because I didn't think I needed to. I just skimmed it. It was like, is the entire economy of the US gentrifying, right? Everything is becoming more expensive and it's squeezing out because of inflation, people that are trying to buy things on the more affordable value level and everything is becoming more premium. That part of culture, I think, is clearly showcasing itself in food and the restaurants that people were talking about and wanting to go to. So uh, I, I, that's why I feel like it's high in Italian and, and that trappings of French cuisine that have that sort of super service over the top shit. Then after that, then I can see why someone would say Spanish food, because then it's like a, almost somewhat of a blend of those, but it's not. It's like European, but casual. You still have high check average. You have beverage. You have everything. You you can sell jamon. So if I wasn't aspiring, like opening up a restaurant, Spain would always be a good good catch because it's it's great food. People love it, and you can have high check averages just like you could in Italian food and in French food. So yeah, it makes sense to me, totally. But mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say that Korean restaurants, for the most part, are going to challenge those big three yet. Maybe down the road. <laughs> or and Japanese, those are the top four, and then you have everyone else lumped together and below one, two, three, and four. I feel I understand where you're coming from. You're you're. I see what Grace is saying. Also, the trajectory of Korean food in the last five to ten years has been unfucking believable. I just as I was cruising through food media, there was another article in like NBC News that said, "What is duckbokey? <laughs> this is fucking crazy. This is, it's crazy." But I, yeah. I I see the wariness of is this uh, is this going to counteract the natural order of things that people in this country just want to eat in an Italian style? I don't think so. I mean, the next that's why we sort of said maybe you know a couple months ago, what are the next things people are going to talk about? It's clearly going to be more foods of Africa and South America, right? We're going to go. People in the next five years are going to know who makes. Uh, Ghanaian jollof versus Nigerian jollof. They're going to know that shit. They're going to know that distinction. Because if you ask people right now, they don't even know what jollof actually fucking is, mm -hmm. I think, for the most part. People are going to know. They're going to know how different the foods of West Africa are down the road. And I think it's a, this is where it's a good thing that media is now talking about it. But at some point, it becomes a selling... It's, it's just, again, these are businesses that are trying to sell shit too. 
So is it actually altruistic or is it actually like, we just have to show that we're part of the, you know, we're hip. Well, the part that, the part that I was trying to get to, and I'm I'm not, this is not a fully formed thought, but that, that sort of. You don't say we don't have fully formed thoughts on this show. (laughs) That's actually should be a good title for our podcast, a podcast spinoff, not a fully formed thought. (laughs) Semi-formed thoughts with Dave and Chris. I, I think that the fragmentation and the sort of, uh, precise labeling of everything. And what you just said uh, uh, of somebody knows what the Nigerian jollof versus the Ghanaian jollof is. And this is a Syrian comfort food. And this is, you know, Basque food. This is, this is, you know, Sichuan, Zhejiang food, whatever, whatever, whatever. For me, there's this, it feels, I, I, I'm, I'm suspicious of it. And I feel there is a Epcotification of everything where keep everybody in their little, their little uh, international fair booths. <laughs> So that there's not a what what I want to see is Italy didn't become Italy until the early 19th century. Until then, it was fragmented in every single way. So what we see is Italian food as this monolithic thing didn't emerge for a long time. And I just I, I wonder if keeping everybody separated into their little holes is both preventing an American culinary tradition from really emerging. A a even if you have diversity within that. And more than that, I think it's just a way of keeping us all labeled and tagged. Yeah, I agree. We're still working on trying to talk this out, and which is why I'm developing it. But I'm like, maybe it's a good time to talk this out and develop it here because I'm so afraid of saying something and someone getting pissed off. That's not what I want. But at the same time, I, I'm going to liken this to something that happened in food. And the top 50 there was, and I think there still is, best female chef award. Right. Exactly. Uh, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. The fact that, uh, and I understand I, I've had some of my friends that have won that. And I understand that it's, do I say no? Do I don't? That's a real conundrum and dilemma. But at the same time, if somebody offered me, when we were in the top 50, best Korean chef, I would burn them down. <laughs> exactly. That's just me. I would fucking burn them down. You know? Yeah. Best immigrant cooking. Fuck you. You know? <laughs> And I've always abhorred that. Um, and still, now, like, American classics are back. James Beard just announced it. I'm like, what's the, what distinction are we making? These are restaurants that have been around for 50-plus years. They're cultural banks in their respective locations. And these towns can't exist without these restaurants. They're beloved. They're loved. They make delicious food. Why aren't they in consideration with the very best of them? And it's clear it's about marketing and dollars, Right corporate dollars, quite frankly. And I'm like, well, that's fucking stupid. They should just be graded just like with everyone else. I guess this is another conversation that goes into affirmative action, which we're not going to go there today because that's in question altogether. Um, And I'm like, this ties into all the comments that I've been reading or just even the articles because it's clear to me that everything everyone wants is going to win at least a couple Oscars this year, at least. Mm -hmm. Michelle Yeoh is definitely going to win. Everyone else has a really good shot, right? And everyone now is saying, and I've talked to someone like Steve about this, Steve Young, and, and it's a complicated issue because that's, you're sort of the first person to the wall, even though Parasite won, but that was Korean. There's a very difference between Korean-American art that's becoming sort of in vogue here in America. And it can't be, it can be lumped and it's very different. Anyway, the audience is now being told by the media, like, what's it like? New York Times just had a coverage about all the Asian wave that's happening in the Oscars this year. And 
You can see this in food coverage where black chefs are in the New York Times are getting coverage and they should, but they're just getting it like the title is these great black chefs. I, I, I would hope that it's just these are the best fucking chefs. Mm -hmm. So I'm torn. I don't have a fully formed opinion or how to articulate it. Whereas like I, on one hand, I'm, I'm excited that Asian actors and black chefs and any Asian or uh, any person of color trying to be representative of their art can now get the credit, but then it's always labeled. So I feel like it's the same sort of thing that you're talking about with food, where everything's being put into a silo and bucketed off, so it's easier to control. That's exactly, that's exactly, to be controlled, right? And there's a certain, to your point, I'm running a business, I am a chef. Yes, I'm a female chef. I've won the best female chef in the world award. That's gonna bring business in. <laughs> and if I, if I, burn it down, throw it away, reject it, don't accept it. That might have a negative impact on my business. And therefore the control, people say, what control, what control? We got to accept the award. You got to accept the award. You got to accept the, the title of first Asian American Oscar, blah, blah, blah. And you got to, you got to curtsy so, and bow and accept. So it. it's like, you know, I, I, I was a huge fan of Doug Williams when he won the Washington for the Washington football team back then, 1987 Super Bowl, first black quarterback, black American quarterback. And at that time, if you can go back in time, there were a lot of football commentators and coaches that said black quarterbacks can't, black people can't play quarterbacks to some degree. Do you remember all that talk back mm -hmm. in the day? For sure. Some of the most, uh, without being fucking crazy racist, <laughs> some of the craziest racist shit that's ever been said without saying it directly, right? Yeah. One, all this crazy shit. And I was like, clearly that's not true. And then recently, we just had two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes and, um, oh my God, I already forgot who was another two. Like, uh, <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Shame <laughs> on him. And I was just like, why is that a story? I understand on one hand, it's a story and a good one because of all that has had to happen for this moment to happen. But the same point is like, these are the two fucking best quarterbacks, regardless of their fucking skin color. So why is that even a story? And I say this, at some point, when did Michael Jordan, or no one says LeBron James or Steph Curry, they're the best black basketball player. Right. right. When, did that, when did that stop? Right. <laughs> when they stop, I mean, yeah. This, this is... So if we have pockets of culture where that's clearly accepted, why is that still happening in other parts of culture? And it's clearly happening in food. All, you know, and, and it's a subtle... But I think pretty insidious form of of bias and racism, you know. And people are going to think, oh, these guys are whining. Who cares? Everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win. This is what Isaac was yelling at us. You got to celebrate Asians. You got to, you got to. You know? And it's like that's that's the issue is you're being you're accepting what they're giving you. They're saying they're giving you a little pat on the head and saying, here you go. This one's for the Asians. And you say, oh, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I, and I just go back in time because. As much as I love Michelle Yeoh in this movie, and I'm not saying I don't love everything I want. It's a great fucking movie. I happen to like Top Gun more. I've got a lot of shit from Isaac and other Asian American friends. I tend to think that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is the best Michelle Yeoh movie. Oh my God, so good. Ang Lee's film is beautiful. It's amazing. That, if that came out today, maybe that would be best picture. Why didn't that movie win, et cetera, et cetera? And I've always thought, this is my Crouching Tiger, Hidden Chang theory, that like, <laughs> that is one of the best movies ever made for me, in my opinion. 
great acting, amazing, all in, you know, Mandarin, there's no bullshit. Entertaining, beautiful, great story. Didn't win. I think it won a couple Oscars. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But it didn't get the fanfare. No. I forget who it lost to. But I just want everything everywhere at once. Or even when Parasite won, I'm like, it's just the best fucking movie. And here's the difference. When a European film wins best picture, best director, nobody says it's the best European director and best European ensemble. It's best mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. When Moonlight won or lost, <laughs> then won again. Then won again. Nobody said, you know, everyone said it was just like the best. Look at this black ensemble. It's like, you know, and there are other things where I'm like very excited that Wakanda and Black Panther got to have their moment of like, this is our fucking movie. Mm-hmm. But you know who was able to say that? Fucking the creators of Black Panther. Uh-huh. The media didn't get to say that first. Uh-huh. That was the difference. And I was so excited about Black Panther. Also, I think it was different when Crazy Rich Asians did it because they were out in front saying, this is our fucking movie. It wasn't a media spun story later. So I don't know. I don't have the answers. There's a lot. There's no way we're going to answer it in this fucking podcast. We're not fucking... I mean, just la- la- last thing for me on this, and in, in the same awards vein, and, and again, we're, to some extent, we're biting the hands that have fed us. And, and yes, we are. So they can fuck themselves. So <laughs> their hands are real tasty. I um, I remember, you know, I've been writing cookbooks for a while, or working on cookbooks for a long time, and each time you know, the publisher comes around, and they say, "It's time to su- submit for the James Beard Awards. Which categories do you want to submit for?" And I just like to, to the original point. I, this was this was genuine naivete when I was first starting out, and I would say, "Well, don't we just submit for American cookbooks? Aren't we just making American food?" I wasn't being a jerk. I wasn't trying to to whatever. And without fail, it was always, "Nah, I think you got to put this more in the international section or the professional cooking section." And to me, that's that's what I'm getting at. Is <laughs> yes, maybe some of the books I would work on had nominally Asian restaurants or recipes, things like that. But to me, I've only ever lived in America. It's American food to me. That's that's my thing is why is there an American section that's carved out that's separate from these other these other types of food. And then this is this is the sort of labeling and, and segmenting that again, not fully formed, bugs the shit out of me. So yeah, which is why I always said Momofuku's food was American. Exactly. I, I, to this day, I've never said our food was Asian, except when we opened Kawi, I said this was a Korean American, and you know people didn't even know what modern Korean was. It was a lot of modern Korean things. Yeah, um, and the food meat has smartened up because now they don't call it fucking sushi, uh, namely some of the people in the New York food critic scene area. They yeah. just anyway, I won't talk about that today. <laughs> but I. In the first 10 plus years, I never said our food was American. I've always said our definition of American food is exactly what Wolfgang Puck says American food is. And to paraphrase, it's a melting pot of many cuisines and many cultures and many stories because that's what America is. It's a melting pot of people that have come here on their own willpower and sometimes by their, you know, forcefully so. And they've created a food that is fusion and uniquely American. I don't know why the fuck my food always got labeled as American, I mean, uh, Asian. Which, by the way, Wolfgang Puck, uh, what a what a wonderful example of. A but food he's that a, can, he's an immigrant. He's an Austrian man making who who became famous for Italian cooking, and we understand that he's an Austrian American man. We understand that. <laughs> don't question it. But 
You have a face like Dave's. What are you trying to tell me? This is not Asian? No, no, I'm just trying to say it's the same thing that that dude's doing over there. I had so many conversations with journalists. I mean, like, my food is American. And they'd be, like, rolling their eyes. Be like, all right, dude, you fucking artiste. I'm like, no, fuck you. There's a reason why this restaurant's called Momofuku. Fuck you. Anyway. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this at length. And again, apologies. We're not trying to offend or piss off anybody. We just wanted to, you know, express how things are sort of playing out. And I don't know, this is all maybe part of the process for us to get to a place where people no longer look at the best basketball player by their skin color. I'm sure some fucking racist people do, but most people, (laughs) they don't. Yeah, I, I guess there's racist people who are just cheering for white basketball players. Their pro- their team's probably not doing that great. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, Gabby clearly likes drinking Starbucks. Is this true, Gabby? <laughs> she just types, yeah. What did you hey, notice thanks. about Gabby and Starbucks? I didn't know what the stars... Yeah, Starbucks is changing their stars reward system with some rewards costing double the stars. No, That sentence doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> What costs more? Points. Stars. You got to spend more money to get the rewards. How do you get stars? Is this like miles on an airline? It's miles. I don't like Starbucks as much as most. I do like Starbucks in Japan and Asia a lot. I think the food, the coffee tastes better. I have had stellar, uh, less than stellar experiences at Starbucks in America. Uh, Unless Starbucks wants to sponsor us, I probably won't change my tune anyway. But speaking of partnerships, they did team up with our friends, the the Franks, uh, Frank Falsanelli and Frank Castronovo. I haven't looked at the press release, but that's what I've been told. Um, some of the their Franks with all, Starbucks. Yeah, I think they're doing some products for them. Oh, interesting. Um, and I think Howard Schultz is now putting olive oil in his coffee. Yeah, our good friend Gideon Lewis Krauss uh, over the New Yorker broke that one. Huh? I think he says it's the worst thing. <laughs> it's like an abomination. <laughs> Could work. Uh, I mean, olive oil is, is clearly good for you. I'm eating, drinking a lot more of it. Just drinking olive oil, just straight. No, you're not. You're eating. No, I'm, you're you're, I'm eating it, it. I'm eating it. I'm eating it. Or sometimes if I have a tin of mackerel, I drink the fucking shitty fucking olive oil that's in it. I have no choice. God, dude. What happened yeah. to you, man? I'm older. Post colonoscopy, everything changes, bro. I know. That's why I got to put it off forever and ever and ever. Elevator music sounds so good to me when I'm in elevator. Muzak. Muzak. Um, and uh, this, I, I have to say, maybe Gabby is also, this is why we want Gabby to give us her opinions on things because she's a younger person. When I say younger, <laughs> she's younger than me and cares about things that I don't necessarily understand. Is this a meaningful thing, Wendy's Chili, to people? I don't know. Gabby? Well, do people like Wendy's Chili? Well, to me, it pinged my radar because that was like the healthy fast food for me growing up is Wendy's was like, you'd get the baked potato and the chili. And that was better than like getting chicken nuggets. Uh, so uh, when my baked mom potato there, Wendy's is also is very good, by the way, it's something that I grew up eating, but I would never get the chili. I'd always just get the sour cream bacon bits. It's really, it's a surprisingly good potato, mm. but I always just think it's fun when they try to put fast food items in stores. Hmm. I, I never. I don't remember the Wendy's chili being something that should be good enough that should be available in grocery stores. A canned <laughs> version of Wendy's chili is hitting grocery stores. So when I have to think of chili, when I think of Wendy's, what are the top things you think about, Chris Yang? 
Frosties, Square mm-hmm. Burgers, mm-hmm. baked potatoes. Burgers that are garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Square Burgers suck there. <laughs> Their chicken sandwiches are very good. And uh, the the spokesman, Dave, Dave, Dave. Oh my God, what's his name? Dave something or other. Who's Doesn't who? Matter. I couldn't figure out if he was Wendy's dad or whatever, but you know. I think of French fries. I think French fries that are too big. I grew up eating Wendy's too, but I don't think I've ever had the chili. And I haven't had Wendy's in quite some time. I don't think I can remember what the chili tastes like. I've never liked their burgers, ever. I do like their chicken sandwich. I've always liked their chicken sandwich. And the Frosty. Gotta get the chocolate Frosty. Something that Chris Yang puts his french fries in, like a gross person. Okay, okay. There, I know I've got support out there for dipping your fries in your shake. Please, please. Oof. What do you think the price point? I'm looking at the... the pr- <laughs> fastfoodmenuprices.com uh seems like the current price for a large chili is 279 at Wendy's. What is the price point going to be that's on this deal. fucking that's what I'm saying on this can of chili at the store it's going to have to be dirt cheap to to compete with its own fast food restaurants. Speaking of um fast foods and I'm just going to be, you know, being very honest and coming out of the closet on things that I'm doing now. On Sundays, you know what we do? Bringing back an old Chang tradition. I get McDonald's breakfast for the kids. You go and out I on a imagine, breakfast run? I, listen, I have had one of my chef friends, one of our chef friends in Denmark, that is not Renee, another one. I had monumental blowout over, <laughs> over things like this. I don't think we've spoken since. I mean, the pandemic had stuff to do with that. And I was like, listen, I grew up eating it. I don't condone it. I'm, I'm not, even though I'm endorsing it right now, I'm, I'm doing it because... My in-laws are with us still. They love McDonald's. They like Burger King. It's stuff that they grew up eating. They still eat it when they can. And they love McDonald's breakfast. I also say McDonald's breakfast tastes really good. A lot of it's nostalgia. It's the same thing when I talk about Domino's. I like Domino's. The one thing that I could look forward to on Sunday as I abhorred going to church was it was the one thing that we could do together or my dad would bring back. I have great nostalgia for McDonald's breakfast, like tremendously so. Big breakfast, right? Sausage, egg, and cheese. I don't eat even the McGriddle. It's just the classic stuff and the hash browns. My sons love it. Hmm. I can imagine now people being like, oh, you fucking horrible human being. Yes, I understand. I can be contradictory, but they like it. And it's something they want. And I didn't want to cook this morning. So I would say over the past you know, few months, we've had probably McDonald's on a Sunday, like two, two weeks out of every month. Wow. You're going out making a little run. Is it, is it, what are the, what are the little guys? I do DoorDash and I get, I go make it for a run. If we go to the little guys take down, they take the, they do the sandwiches or they do. So no, Gus hates eggs. Okay. So we get the big breakfast bundle. Mm. You get two sausage egg McMuffins and a big breakfast. And then you get one hot, uh, hot cakes. So Hugo eats the hot cakes. We move the eggs over to Hugo's hotcakes from the big breakfast. Yeah, I know this. We take a sausage out of the one egg McMuffin, (laughs) of a sausage egg McMuffin, and give it to Hugo. And then Gus eats the bacon because Hugo doesn't like bacon. So Gus eats a whole sausage thing, the bacon, three slices of bacon, and the hotcakes for the most part. So all we really have left are like the egg McMuffin, I mean, the English muffins, two two English muffins that nobody really wants to eat, and the two ash browns. I'm a. It's a great uh, deal. I'm a big, I'm a big sausage egg McMuffin with cheese guy, but I recently accidentally ate that that sausage biscuit. Uh, didn't complain. I, I, I've always liked the sausage. The biscuits at McDonald's are not Can't traditionally southern. They're not bad. <laughs> they, I mean, they're if they're if nothing else, they ain't bad. 
So uh, in your thought, Chris, how much have we pissed off the foodie elite by talking about McDonald's for 10 minutes? I thought we were a part of that, but I guess we're just, I think that, I think that there are people who are pretty mad about most of the things we've said at this point. We've, we're deprogramming ourselves from foodie elitism. <laughs> Which I think is what you're supposed to do. Well, you know, you've got to try. You've got to try to break we're the We're next going to talk about black truffles. And <laughs> I think we might actually start talking about that. Um, anyway, just randomly, I, I did watch the Chris Rock Live. I thought that was cool what Netflix did. It was the first live special, live comedy. Uh, I do like live comedy. I, I have, uh, I think, weirdly, fortunately enough, because of Momo gotten to know a lot of comedians. I thought it was really funny. And I haven't read any of the reviews, but I could imagine some people like, you can't like that. I did. I thought it was really good. Uh, just so I'm clear, because I was going to watch that. They broadcasted it live? Live Last live? Night, yeah. Wow. And then you can watch replays. Yeah. He even messes up one of the jokes at the end. I thought it was great. I thought it was really, really good. Just the whole process and what he did. And I think some of the top, some of the topics I think are very topical. Some of the stuff we talked about today, maybe we're talking about because of the fucking special last night. Hmm. Whether you agree with it or not, I think what it's good is it can spark conversation, whether you found it funny or not, whether you agreed with it or not. That's not what I'm trying to say. I said, I enjoyed it. Enjoying something doesn't mean I fucking liked it or hated it per se. I happen to like it. Enjoying it for me is, oh, I can think about something I didn't necessarily think about before. Um, I don't know if it's coming out today or tomorrow. Our good friend, Nick Kroll, uh, this has been a project I know he's been working on for some time with the great, great comedic genius, Mel Brooks. Uh, he has history of the world part two. If you haven't seen history of the world part one, you should, you will shit your pants and laughter. I think it's still funny after all these years. Mm. And, uh, the fact that Mel Brooks wanted to work with Nick and a bunch of other comedic talents is going to be good. And that's on Hulu. I think that's tonight or tomorrow. By the time this airs, it'll definitely be out. Uh, and big shout out to, uh, Eric repair, the team at Liberty Den. They got four stars in the New York times. And uh, Rich Teresi, our, our good friend, got three stars, a glowing three-star review in the New York Times for Teresi, Italian specialties. Um, you know, really, really excited for those guys. I was very happy for him. Um, and I haven't eaten at both of those restaurants in some time. I haven't even at Teresi. I still haven't been to Kwame's restaurant. Uh, Teresi and uh, Tatiana are definitely on my, I have to get there ASAP next time I'm in New York longer than a day. Another article that I sort of read is there's a lot more MSG articles coming out. <laughs> yeah. Can I, I'm a little like, there are a bunch of people that are now being quoted in these MSG articles. And I don't know how to think about this. Some of them are quoted are from not, not, yeah, some chefs and some producers of food that I had conversations with back in the day being like, you're being fucking part of the problem by saying we don't sell anything MSG. And now they're on the no MSG. I mean, they're pro MSG bandwagon. So I, again, like I'm conflicted. They're flopping. <sighs> yeah. And now the... there's like the same the story. Like they've been fucking pro MSG all along. It's this amazing thing. I'm like, I'm sorry, motherfuckers. This is one flag that I've picked up before fucking anybody. And I've carried this for a long fucking time. And where the fuck were all of you guys when I was waving my fucking hands up and fucking down? And you guys were like, I can't talk about this. Can't do this. I'm just going to simply say I'm a little, I'm like, lowercase fuck you <laughs> well i think that the offensive part about the whole thing and again overall is it good the more people become enlightened about this more people learn the truth about about msg and its history of racism and how it's not actually giving you headaches yes objectively there's better. one prominent food producer that makes consumer product goods that was started out as like we 
probably don't sell any, make anything with MSG. And now they're promoting it. Fuck. I mean, come on, man. It's ugly. It's ugly. It's ugly, especially because, and what I was trying to say was, it's especially ugly because no one says, hey, I used to think this and I used to act this way, but I, 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 it's time for me to say, actually, I was wrong. Actually, MSG isn't this or that, and I've learned this over time. But instead, it's it's everyone wants to 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 be outraged, right? It's ridiculous that MSG has been this way this all this time. Yeah, no shit. No, man. A lot of these people, and this is where I'm conflicted. I'm happy that they're now on board, but I'm also like, come on, man. <laughs> you know exactly who the fuck you are, you motherfuckers. I love you, but I fucking hate you. <laughs> Uh, give us five stars. Um, we'll talk to you guys later.